Fighting for the Faith is listener-supported radio. That means we depend upon you and your generous gifts and financial contributions in order to continue to bring Fighting for the Faith to you into the world. If you don't already support us, you can do so by visiting our website, fightingforthefaith.com. When you get there, you can click on one of our two friendly yellow buttons, or you can make your gift payable to Fighting for the Faith and then send it to Post Office Box 13344, Grand Forks, North Dakota, zip code 58208. And thank you for your support. It's time for another edition of Fighting for the Faith. Thursday, April 19th, 2018. Second adjustments here. I think we're going to pull this all off. We will see. Thank you for tuning in. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. My name is Chris Rosebro. I am your servant in Jesus Christ, and this is the program that dishes up a daily dose of biblical discernment, the goal of which, help you to think biblically, help you to think critically, and help you to slow down, stop, open up your Bible, and compare. Compare what people are saying in the name of God to the Word of God. No shortage of crazy things being said out there. We take the time to open up God's Word, to compare and contrast what the most popular pastors, preachers, teachers, conference speakers, self-proclaimed prophets, prophetesses, <gasps> self-appointed apostles and apostolettes, and those generally put forward by the evangelical industrial complex as those whom we need to be listening to, whose books apparently we need to be buying, and whose small group curricula we should be studying instead of the Word of God. Yeah, weird how that works. Over again, we demonstrate that the steady diet of doctrine, yeah, that's teaching, that is put out there for consumption by you know evangelicals and the and the sort it's not biblical it's not what god's word says people are making a lot of stuff up there's a lot of deception a lot of people teaching for shameful gain things they ought not to teach and the like and it's really just a utter rebellion apostasy if you would because that's what apostasy means rebellion out there in the visible church against god what his word says and people are running off and saying things that they have no authorization from God to say, speak, teach, confess, or anything. <sighs> so, let's talk about what it is that we are going to do on today's episode of Fighting for the Faith. A little bit of a warning in our number one. I may not make it through the sermon in our number two. I will gut it out as long as I can, but when you find out who it's from, you'll understand what I'm... <laughs> Why I'm saying that. So uh, we're going to begin with um, a Terry Savelle Foy update, and uh, we're going to be listening to a portion of a recent video blog of hers titled, Life Begins at the End of Your Comfort Zone. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we hear this kind of stuff all the time. And I'll tell you the the, the issue here is, is as much as she tries to be a motivational speaker and things like that, and really help people achieve their dreams and stuff, is that this puts a lot of pressure on people. And the good works that are laid out for us in Scripture uh, actually keep us quite comfortable. And, and what I mean by that is, is that 
you know, you read like the book of Ephesians and it's husbands, love your wives, wives, uh, you know, submit to your husbands, children, obey your parents. These are good works, by the way. Um, and, you know, employers submit to your uh, em- uh, employees, submit to your employers. That's kind of a modern paraphrase of the idea. Slaves submit to your masters. Yeah. And that and and then, you know, men who own slaves, you know, that to treat them kindly and things like this. I mean, over and again, the the good works that we're called to are good works for our neighbor, for our neighbor's sake, in love for our neighbor because they have needs. That's the idea. So what ends up happening is there are a lot of people who just feel utterly guilty because they're not go- taking their life to the next level and stuff like that. And it's teaching like this that makes them feel like somehow they're not living up to the expectations that God has for them. And nothing could be further from the truth. So uh, that will that you'll start off with Terry Savelle Foy. Then we're going to uh, do a uh, Jennifer LeClaire update. And this is one of those segments we intend to uh, put up on our YouTube channel. And um, Jennifer LeClaire was the guest preacher at Glory of Zion's Passover service. Yeah, the Apostle Chuck Pierce. And uh, we're going <clears> to <throat> watch a portion of that. And I think this proves definitively that Jennifer LeClaire is an agent of darkness. I, there's just no other way to describe it. I mean, this woman sins against God so many different ways, it's not even funny. And just in this video, it's like off the chain. In fact, we're even going to quote, if you would, we're going to quote uh, Michael Brown against uh, Jennifer LeClaire. Uh, Michael Brown's latest book is uh, titled Playing with Holy Fire. It's not written to the critics of the charismatic movement. It's an in-house critique of the problems going on in the uh, charismatic movement. And Michael Brown calling for a cleaning up, a sweeping out, if you would, of the nonsense that's... uh, become the bane of the charismatic movement. And uh, and so uh, we're going to quote, <clears throat> no joke, uh, Michael Brown's book against Jennifer LeClaire and the nonsense that's going on there. Then uh, we will be uh, checking in um, with uh, <clears throat> the... Um, we're going <laughs> to... I'm stumbling over my words here. I had to make a decision. Uh, we're going to head to Mayfield Salisbury Parish Church, and we're going to listen to uh, Scott McKenna. And Scott McKenna, in his um, sermon that he preached the week after Easter, so this is the reason why I didn't make it into the contest, the week after Easter, uh, he flat out denies that Jesus rose bodily from the grave, and he straight up made up something that's not in the text. So uh, we'll be taking a look at that. I mean, just lied. I mean, just flat out lied, kind of like the way, uh, you know, that... That guy at Hillsong, Frank DeMazio or you know Delazio, who I forget his na- last name, but how he was just making stuff up and put it into the, putting it into the Greek text. It's funny. Uh, Scott McKenna does the exact same thing, and uh, then we're going to end off hour number one by uh, listening to um, Scott, uh, uh, Rob Hodgkins and, and on uh, Patricia King's um, program, uh, Everlasting Love. And he's talking with uh, Robert Henderson about ha- a great release of wealth. Yeah, no joke. And it's just a mess. So, uh, and then in hour number two, we're going to check in with uh, Miranda Nelson from night 587 of the uh, glory and power outpouring thingy out there in San Diego County, California. Fire and glory outpouring. And, uh, you know, so we'll just listen to her message. And that's the one I will go as long as I can. And then when I cry uncle, we're done.
That's the best way I can put it. So uh, with that, we've got a lot, a lot that we need to do on today's episode of Fighting for the Faith. Since we're beginning with a Terry Savelle Foy update, let's do this. Hiya, Bobby. Hi, Ken. You want to go for a ride? Sure, Ken. Jump in. I'm a Bobby girl in the Bobby world. Black in plastic, it's fantastic. You can brush my hair. That's right. Uh, Barbie girl, that means only one thing, and that one thing is Terry Savelle Foy. So let's head over to her YouTube channel. She explains how life begins at the end of our comfort zone. Here we go. Terry Savelle Foy, your cheerleader of dreams. Hey, if you've never subscribed to this podcast, just push the little red button right there to get consistent teaching tools and tips to help you live your dreams. Yeah, as at the time of the uh, airing of this episode of Fighting for the Faith, she's up to 143,000 subscribers. Mm -hmm. Today I want to talk to you about life begins at the end of your comfort zone. No, actually, life begins at conception. Yeah, we are fearfully and wonderfully made and knitted together in our mother's womb according to Scripture. So, uh, yeah, no, life doesn't begin at the end of my comfort zone. It actually began in my mommy's womb, yeah. No, anytime you're getting ready to go to a new level, the next level of your life, it's going to demand leaving a place of comfort. And that Says which biblical text? Not fun. You know, I've discovered that God never allows us to get too comfortable for too long. How did you discover that? Did you find it in the Bible? constantly stretching us to do new things, to launch out, to dream bigger. We can't stay in the safe zone all of our lives and expect to live our dreams. Fact- Apparently not. You know, you can't live in the safe zone. No, you got to highway to the danger zone, man. I said to Joshua, you have not passed this way before. Yeah. Now, a little bit of a note there. She actually put the biblical reference up and it's Joshua chapter three, verse four. So because Joshua chapter three Verse 4 says, Joshua, you've never passed this way before. You see, that proves that life begins right just outside of your comfort zone, which is ridiculous. Um, Joshua chapter 3, context, 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 starting at verse 1. Joshua rose early in the morning, and they set out from Shittim, and they came to the Jordan, he and all the people of Israel, and lodged there before they passed over. And at the end of three days, the officers went through the camps and commanded the people, as soon as you see the Ark of the Covenant of Yahweh, your God, being carried by the Levitical priests, then you shall set out from your place and follow it. Yet there shall be a distance between you and it, about 2,000 cubits in length. Do not come near it, in order that you may know the, uh, the way that you shall go, for you have not passed this way before." Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you're going to note that it wasn't God telling Joshua, you, you know, you've never passed this way before, therefore you, your life will begin right outside of your comfort zone. Nope. Uh, what that is talking about was the, the leaders of Israel saying to the people of Israel, follow the ark because you've never been here before. Because you know why? Because they'd never been there before. God knew the way. Yeah, so 
yeah, just abysmal what she just did to scripture there. It's actually quite horrifying if you think about it. Well, God is saying that to you today, that new things are on the horizon for you, but... Really? Like what? The the new iPhone 11? What What's the new thing that's on the horizon for me? You have to step out in faith. <laughs> oh, yeah. See, there's new things for me, but I got to step out in faith. Where in the scripture does it say that? Just when we think... I've got a system in place. I can rest here. It's like God says, it's time for something new, something big, expensive, costly, uncomfortable. Yeah, I, I really would prefer if God not give me something expensive. Yeah, I'm just saying. Yeah. Sometimes downright scary. <laughs> like somebody once said. Scary and expensive. Bad combo. Where in scripture am I told to expect scary and expensive things that God wants me to do? Comfort and convenience run the lives of unsuccessful people. Uh-huh. Okay. I, this is just abysmal. And again, it is this kind of doctrine that lays a heavy burden on people. And I would say that, um, and probably disproportionately, it lays a heavy burden, especially on those women who feel strongly about staying home and raising the children that God has blessed them with. So, you know, here, you know, God has blessed them with children and they don't want to send them to daycare. They don't want them to be raised by strangers. They want to be involved in their lives in the day to day and to train up their kids the way they want to go. So from the moment their babies are born, these are women who they do not go out into the marketplace. They do not work a job. They, you know, at least a job in the corporate world. And I would argue that in the corporate world, you only have to work 40 hours a week. Moms, yeah, <laughs> 80, 120, you work pretty much round the clock 24-7. I mean, it's, it's, it's not easy, and it's a very difficult job, and it's a job given to you by God himself. But what ends up happening with this kind of pressure that uh, Terry Savelle Foy is putting on, without any biblical warrant, Comfort and convenience apparently runs the lives of unsuccessful people. So these moms eventually will get to a point where they can thrive in the chaos or somehow work in the chaos and have a routine in the middle of it. And um, and so comfort and convenience, those things come up, but their you know their their lives are going to be you know changing diapers, preparing meals, running kids back and forth to school, to uh, sports activities, and things like this. It's a it's a crazy, hectic life, and um, and comfort and convenience are the um, let's just say the times to recharge the batteries, and the rest are just really plowing ahead and working hard. I saw what my wife did when our kids were younger, and and so those moms who would tune in and listen to somebody like Terry Savelle Foy, they are going to be led to believe that they are somehow doing something wrong that God wants them to do something different than what they are doing, as if somehow being a great mom is not a good work. And nothing could be further from the truth. promise, this is a motivational podcast. But you know, I've discovered in my own life, I remember years ago when I first graduated from college, I went to work for my dad, who's a minister. And my first job was... Word of faith, heretic minister. Transcribe little tapes, like listen to cassette tapes word for word and write them down. Just type them up. Well, then that led to my dad saying, I want you to turn those transcripts into books, like become a ghostwriter. Well, that stretched me out of my comfort zone. I was so scared that I was going to delete content that he wanted. 
Well, I ended up writing more than 25 books for him, and I got comfortable. I wasn't stretching anymore. In fact, this is one of the books I wrote in two and a half weeks. In other words, I got comfortable. Well, then I remember when they asked me to supervise the whole media department. So when she got comfortable, apparently she was unsuccessful. That pushed me out of my comfort zone. That meant overseeing, you know, the success of our website, magazine, resources, books, CDs, TV show. Well, again, I had to step out of my comfort zone. But then, little by little, I began to learn what I could. I was able to talk about branding with confidence, talk about target audiences, demographics, ROIs, things like that. I met with the best producers and media marketing specialists, and we ended up producing a successful TV show. But I got comfortable. Then I remember when they wanted me to be on the TV show with my dad, and I thought, what? With this voice? <laughs> I don't want to be in front of people. I love being behind the scenes. Well, you talk about stepping out of my comfort zone. In fact, you know, I remember the first time I started doing television, I was sitting in the parking lot in my car on the phone with my best friend crying when I don't want to do this. I'm scared. Well, as a result, I began doing the openings and the closes with my dad. Then it led to co-hosting the TV show which I did for 10 years. And we Are you co-hosting a TV show yet? Clearly you haven't been stretched. You know, because Joshua 3-4, you've never been this way before. Your life only begins at the end of your comfort zone. Are you uncomfortable yet? Yeah, this is not sound teaching at all. I think you get the point. Moving along... Get up right now. That's uh, Robert Tilton and Hubabakanda. So uh, we're heading over to uh, Glory of Zion. That is where the apostle Chuck Pierce holds court. And uh, th this is a place where we uh, tune in to the uh, Prophecy Open Mics. And uh, he's going to be introducing their Passover preacher for the night. Yeah, they were celebrating Passover there at uh, Glory of Zion. And their Passover preacher was none other than Jennifer LeClaire. And as promised, we're going to note that there's so much wrong with what it is that we're going to see and listen to here that uh, one can only come to one conclusion, and that is, is that this woman is a worker of darkness. She actually is on Satan's team. She's not doing the work of the Lord. That's the best way I can describe it. Here's Chuck Pierce to introduce Jennifer LeClaire. It's a blessing for us to have Jennifer LeClaire here. She's written some awesome, awesome books. She yeah, notice what he's doing. He's got a pile of Jennifer LeClaire's books. 
And during the church service, he's plugging her books. Huh. Want to avail yourself to the materials that are here. Uh, Angels on Assignment, The Making of a Prophet. She's connected with Bishop Hammond. Yeah, she's under his uh, apostolic anointing. So, uh, yeah, let's let's go ahead and take a look at what Michael Brown wrote. In uh, Playing with Holy Fire, Michael Brown is actually talking about uh, people who are trying to make a buck uh, within the charismatic movement and uh, notes that, 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 uh, that there is a, an ancient document uh, known as the Didache. And the Didache explains how you can identify a true prophet versus a false prophet. And so Michael Brown writes uh, on page 55 of um, this book, this new book, Playing with Holy Fire, there is an early Christian document, that's where we're beginning right there, called the Didache, which means the teachings of the Twelve Apostles. While it most likely does not date back to them, it is one of the earliest preserved Christian writings outside the New Testament. Note the fascinating section found in chapter 11. I have emphasized the most relevant parts. Quote from the Didache, Concerning the apostles and prophets, act according to the decree of the gospel. Let every apostle who comes to you be received as the Lord, but he shall not remain more than one day or two days if there is a need. But if he remains three days, he's a false prophet. And when the apostle goes away, let him take nothing but bread until he lodges. If he asks for money, yeah, he's a false prophet. <laughs> that, that's what Michael Brown wrote against people in his own movement. And, uh, you know, here we've got um, Chuck Pierce shilling for um, Jennifer LeClaire and uh, wanting people to spend money for her. And she'll have that stack with her at the beginning of her sermon. She's been known for her work with charisma, but most of all, she's known for the word awakening. She has a wonderful church that I visit, as well as the ministry she's called to. Let's welcome Jennifer LeClaire here. Now, a little bit of a note. She begins her sermon uh, with a, a prophetic word, a prophetic word. And so I went ahead and um, just randomly created a bingo card just for this occasion uh, to, to make a point. And you'll see that as we go, uh, the point that will be made from this. My God, my God, my God. How's everybody doing this morning? Oh, come on. Do you see the pile of books there? Mm-hmm. Yep. If you're doing better than that, Jane Hammond just brought a powerful word this morning. You must be doing great. How many of you know how to pray in tongues? They pray in tongues in Texas. They pray in tongues where you're from. Stand up on your feet for just a minute and let's pray in the Holy Ghost. Come on. Just, just, just humor me a little bit. Come on. Yeah. All right. That, that's parcel mouth or something like that. Let's uh, consult scripture real quick. In uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, Verse 23, verses 26 through 28. If therefore the whole church comes together and all speak in tongues, the outsider, unbeliever enter, 
They will not. Will they not say that you are out of your minds? Uh huh. That's exactly what's going on here. And then verses twenty six through twenty eight says, "So what then, brothers? When you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Let all things be done for uh, building up. If anyone speak in a tongue, let there be only two, or at the most three, each in turn." And let someone interpret. If there is no one to interpret, let each of them keep silent in the church and speak to himself and God. Yeah, Scripture prohibits what Jennifer LeClaire is leading these people to do. Come on and press with me for just a moment. Come on, press in. Yeah. All right, let's check my bingo card. But yeah, there we go. Press in. Press in. Got it. Coming back here, I should probably get my free space while we're at this, by the way. Yep, you're going to note that this prophecy that she's giving is a quintessential buzzword prophecy. She's not saying anything. She's just passionately speaking out a litany of buzzwords. That is what she's doing. She's not really hearing from God at all. God wants to take you somewhere today that eyes have not seen and ears have not heard. He's given you a dream. He's given you a mandate. He's given you a vision. Come on. All right, let's check this. Dream, mandate, vision. Dream, mandate, vision. Uh, Mandate, mandate, found it. Okay, there we go. Mandate. Uh, I don't see dream vision on this card okay we return yep you're gonna note that uh she's well just spewing buzzwords you've got a mantle you've got a commissioning come on god has anointed you we're in a mission mantle and commissioning uh, mantle found it okay mission mantle and yeah all right so uh, we continue here we go again Season of realignments, a season of reassignments, whatever it can be. Realignments, reassignments. Ah, real, reassignment right there. Uh, I've got alignment, but I don't have realignment. Bummer. Okay, we keep going. Notice that this is not a real prophecy. This is just her spewing the standard prophetic buzzwords after she command, she led people to do something that Scripture straight up prohibits. Shaken, won't be shaken, but whatever can be, will. Come on, press. Come on, press. Come on, press. Watch. Push them out. Shove them out. Way out. Yeah. Yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. Some of you have felt like you're stuck. Some of you have felt like you've been stymied. Some of you have felt like you're just holding on for dear life. But the Lord would say to you today that I am bringing a refreshing unto you. I am bringing a regeneration unto you. I am bringing, putting a fresh wind of my spirit behind you. All right, a fresh wind of regeneration and things like that. Hmm, okay, coming back. And you will rise up from the place where you are at, says the Lord, and you will advance, you will advance, you will advance. And I see the Lord making up for lost time. I said he's not just redeeming the time, he's accelerating the time in your life. Acceleration, let's see if that's on there. Uh, Impartation, assignment, alignment. Uh, No, I don't see acceleration. Bummer. I know that's one of our words. Okay, coming back. 
So I think you're kind of getting the idea here. This is just one big litany of buzzwords. I say no more delay. I said I break the spirit of delay over your life. And I see you rising up like a prophetic army of the Lord. And I see you prophesying what says the Lord over your own life. Even before the lives of others. Because you are your own best prophet. Utter chaos there. I just see an opening of the spirit realm. I just see an open heaven. And there are angels ascending and descending in this place. Handing out new... Yeah, Jacob's ladder is there. Assignments delivering... Hold on, hold on. ...and descending in this place. Handing out new assignments delivering... All right, assignment, assignment. Ah, yes, very good. Yeah, I'm glad that I had that one. Okay, yeah, we're we're starting to fill this card up. It's been a while since I've won Prophecy Bingo, but I don't think I'm going to win here, but it's just making the point. Messages, so don't be surprised in the next 45 minutes or so if an angel taps you on the shoulder with a message. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody give God a shout of praise. Jesus! Oh! Sounds like she's channeling a demon. Or maybe coughing up a sneaky squid. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Hallelujah. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. um, Yeah, what she did there was not prophecy. She wasn't hearing from God. She straight up disobeyed God's word. And just her mere presence there is disobedience to the word of God from 1 Corinthians 14. Partway through verse 33, the Apostle Paul, writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, in the same chapters that deal with the gifts of the Spirit, says this, As in all the churches of the saints, the women should keep silent in the churches, for they're not permitted to speak. They should be in submission, as the Torah also says. If there's anything they desire to learn, let them ask their husbands at home. It's shameful for a woman to speak in church. Or was it from you that the word of God came? Or or are you the only ones it has reached? If anyone thinks that he is a prophet or spiritual, he should acknowledge the things I am writing to you are a command of the Lord. If anyone does not recognize this, he is not recognized. There's just no other conclusion that you can draw here. Jennifer LeClaire is not doing kingdom work. She is not on the side of Christ sound doctrine, and what Scripture teaches, nor is she advancing the kingdom. To be blunt and put it quite, you know, in everyone's face, she is a wolf, she is a heretic, she is basically playing for Team Satan, and all the while claiming allegiance to Christ. If she truly had allegiance to Christ, she would be obeying his word instead of flagrantly and flippantly disregarding clear commands from God. All right, we're up on our first break. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you could do so. My email address is talkback at fightingforthefaith.com, or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Christian. Follow me on Twitter, my name there, at Christian. Quick break. When we come back, we'll be uh, hearing from Scott McKenna as well as uh, Robert Hodgkin and Robert Henderson. Stay tuned. Don't want to miss them. We'll be right back. No sneaky squid spirit formed against us will prosper. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. You're listening to Pirate Christian Radio. We'll be taking your false doctrine now. <laughs>
Max Holiday's Birdcage Theatre presents Church Day Select. MacGuffins. Uh, what can I do for you today? Hi, uh, I was wondering what supplies you had in stock that would help me fight the paranormal. Well, uh, see, we got here. We um, we got rock salt shotgun rounds, uh, PKE meters, EMF readers, hexes, spells, salt hula hoops, demons summoning coloring books, crucifixes, and holy water, amongst other things. Do you carry the grimoire of modern prayer? Not since it was outlawed by the Geneva Convention. Sorry. Bummer. I I noticed it looks kind of empty in here. Well, business has been booming as of late. Uh, are you going after that sneaky squid, What whatchamacallit? Yeah, as a matter of fact. I, what, what would you recommend for tackling this beast? Well, none of the items here are going to work against that monstrosity. If I were you, I'd buy Los Lobos Ministries' latest invention. What's that? Well, it's right here in the summer catalog. It is a um, laser-guided, sneaky squid spirit homing nuclear missile. Great, I'll take one. Uh, sorry, uh, we're, <clears throat> we're we're fresh out. Fresh out? Then why'd you even mention it? Well, if you want to order one right now, I could have it here for you in about. Eleven weeks. No, I I need something today. Well, there is one thing I can sell you. What the heck is this? Glory sprinkles. Glory sprinkles? That's what I said. Is there an echo in here or something? No, I heard you. It just sounds more like a breakfast cereal than a paranormal weapon. They look like Lucky Charms. They're more like Fruit Loops, actually. This is really the best you got? Afraid so. How am I even supposed to use these? Well, uh, there's instructions on the bag. Use two or three handfuls to throw directly onto the sneaky squid spirit. Do not inhale or ingest. If ingestion occurs, please see your local physician for treatment immediately. Must be 18 or older to purchase. All right. Glory sprinkles it is, then. Happy squid hunting. be held accountable for his crimes. Learn all of this and more on the next thrilling episode of The Sneaky Squid Spirit Trilogy!
Hey everyone, it's Rex here to tell you about a product that I use on a daily basis. It's Coffee by Gillespie. It's delicious. It's got the caffeine you need to be a functioning member of society and it's, it's coffee. There's all sorts of different blends to choose from that are themed alongside the church calendar. So not only does it taste insanely good, but it's also liturgical. Somehow. All you have to do is order it online at Gillespie.coffee. And it'll arrive at your door in a convenient, resealable bag filled with either whole bean or pre-ground coffee. I personally like mine as whole bean because it goes so well with milk. Yeah. Now that's what I call a balanced breakfast. So head on over to Gillespie.coffee and get some. That's G-I-L-L-E-S-P-I-E dot coffee. Rex out! Oi, Captain! We got ourselves a heretic! (laughs) (laughs) And exactly how do ye know that she be a heretic? She be endorsing the health and wealth heresy. Does he be speaking the truth? Jesus died to make us rich. And what exactly do we do with heretics? Oh, we throw them in the boo box. No, no, no. We preach the gospel to them. What if, um, the heretic doesn't repent? Then we throw them in the boo box. is to heretic, to R is to pirate. Get yourself over to www.piratechristianradio.com forward slash Refermanda and purchase yourself a copy of the game Refermanda and join the fight for the faith today. Warning, listening to Fighting for the Faith could cause you to think that Jennifer LeClaire is an agent of darkness doing the work of the fallen angel known as Lucifer. Just a reminder, Fighting for the Faith is listener-supported radio. That means we depend upon you and your generous gifts and financial contributions in order to continue to bring Fighting for the Faith to you and to the world. And you can partner with us. It is a partnership. Visit our website, fightingforthefaith.com. When you get there, you'll see our three friendly yellow buttons. One says donate. The other says join our crew. The other says become a patron. When you join our crew, you get to pick your rank in our crew. Rank is based upon your monthly commitment. Lowest rank is Powder Monkey at $9.95 a month. After that, Gunner's made at $24.95 a month. From there, Master Gunner at $49.95 a month, and then Quartermaster $99.95 a month. Joining our crew is a great way to support us. If you'd like to make a one-time contribution, click on the Donate button, or you can make your gift payable to Fighting for the Faith. Send it to Post Office Box 13344, Grand Forks, North Dakota, zip code 58208. 
And uh, if you'd like to become a patron on Patreon, you can do that as well. Just click on the Become a Patron button. And let me thank you for your support. We truly cannot do what we are doing here without it. Moving along... These are the sounds of the emergent postmodern Philharmonic Orchestra conducted by Doug Paget. Today, sitting in on the French horn is Scott McKenna. As you can tell, this is their rendition of also Sprock's Zarathustra. Uh, notice that they do not subscribe to the modernist definitions of notes. They're just being led by their inner person, their inner spirit man. It's just so amazing. So we're heading over to Mayfield Salisbury Church of Scotland. The name of the message we'll be sampling a preview of is titled Seeing the Risen Christ. And in this video, uh, Scott McKenna denies the bodily resurrection of Jesus, but in order to make make it appear that what he's saying is what the biblical text means, he pulls a fast one, straight up lies, adds a word to the Gospel of John chapter 20, that isn't there. Here's Scott McKenna. Here we go. In the night, under the cover of darkness, on the first day of the week, and behind locked doors, Jesus came and stood among his disciples. He said, Peace be with you. Mm-hmm. He showed them his torn hands and pierced side. On that first evening of the resurrection, Thomas was not with the disciples. He was not in the room when Jesus appeared. Later, when the disciples tell him of their experience, Thomas said, Unless I see, I will not believe. One week later, again the disciples gathered under the cover of darkness in a house behind locked doors. This time, Thomas is with them. Jesus appeared in their midst with the same greeting, Peace be with you. Jesus spoke directly to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Thomas said, My Lord and my God. Now, you'll note, I mean, had he just ended there, this would have been an okay sermon. A little brief, but uh, what he has said so far is accurate and true to the text. When first we think of the disciple Thomas, we think of the doubter. But the Gospels suggest that there's more to this man than this. A few days before the triumphal entry... Jesus and his disciples had narrowly escaped 
being stoned by a crowd in Jerusalem. Then came the appeal from Mary and Martha to Jesus to go to Bethany because their brother Lazarus was dying. The village of Bethany was not far from the walls of the holy city. When the appeal came, the disciples protested that it was too dangerous. They would risk being captured, and that would mean certain death. Now, by, by the way, the, uh, the function of this portion of his sermon, he's going to, you know, it sounds like he's going to just merely defend Thomas's honor and basically say it's probably not fair for us to just paint him off as a doubter. And so this will make him appear as if he is one of these fellows that is all about rightly understanding the biblical text. And so, you know, by correcting an error, uh, a misperception regarding Thomas, he is creating the impression that he is now going to, you know, that everything flowing from that point on is going to be really, really carefully addressing what's really there in the biblical text. But this is actually a deception technique on his part. By first trying to make it look like he's going to clean things up and be careful in his exegesis, uh, that's the that's the move now that he's going to use. It's a misdirection to then s- very quickly smuggle in a word. See, I'm snapping because I learned it from the false prophets. That he's going to try to smuggle in a word into this text that isn't there, but I'll show it to you when we get there. Realizing that Jesus was determined to go to Lazarus, Thomas alone said... Let us go also, that we may die with him. On the night before he died, seated with his disciples in the upper room, Jesus said, In my Father's house are many mansions. I would not, if if it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. You know the place where I am going. Many of the disciples may have wondered what Jesus meant, but it was Thomas who asked him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Unjustly discarded as a doubter, Thomas is a man of courage and inquiry. It seems to me that he cared deeply about Jesus. It is possible that the sole reason that Thomas was not with the disciples on that first night was because, in grief, he could not face being with them. Overwhelmed by the brutality of the crucifixion, the traumatic loss of such a friend, teacher and confidant, Thomas simply could not face being with anyone. Courage. Spiritual searching. Okay, so yes, he's done a really good job of coming to the rescue of Thomas's long lost honor. He's not a doubter. He was really courageous and compassionate, had a deep heart, place in his heart for Jesus. Hey, I, this is not a bad picture. And I, th- and I think some of the evidence that he's brought to bear here, hmm, it's worth considering. But the sermon's going to take a very severe turn in, in like literally just a few seconds. And this is where it totally jumps the tracks. And bereavement. Make Thomas a disciple, 
with whom we can readily identify. That evening, under the cover of darkness, Jesus appeared to his disciples. The verb used for appear is quite specific. It means an apparition, an inner vision. It is something that is experienced and seen within the consciousness, with the inner eye, in the mind, in the heart. The appearance of Jesus that night in that room in Jerusalem could not have been recorded on an iPhone. And there it is. Now we're going to do a little fact-checking. And we're going to do a little fact-checking with the very text that he's supposedly preaching from. And we're going to go into the Gospel of John. And we are now in verse 19, and here's what it says. Now pay attention. See if you can find the word appeared. See if it appears. If appeared appears in this text. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. Mm -hmm. You'll note it doesn't say he appeared. It says that he stood. And uh, it's uh, histemi is the, uh, the Greek verb there. And histemi, when we look at it, uh, let me go ahead and uh, make this bigger. Uh, to cause to be in a place or position to set place, bring aloud, to come, to propose, uh, to set up, enforce, to validate, to specify contractually. One of its words is to stand. But that's there is no word here for appear. So on that evening of the first day of the week, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. Mm-hmm. Erkamai, come, not appear. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see his hands, in his hands the marks of the nails, and place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and although Thomas was with them, although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood, histemi, among them, and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, You have believed because you have seen me. Blessed are those who have not seen me and yet have believed. So you're going to note the word appear doesn't appear in John chapter 20 at all. In fact, the whole point of the text is that Jesus came and stood. He just stood right there. He was There he was. And so his whole point that 
if you had an iPhone, you couldn't have recorded the the uh, the resurrection appearance because it took place in the heart. Because the Greek verb is very specific. Well, that it's very specific. Greek verb doesn't appear in this text, which means Scott McKenna is totally lying. And um, I don't know what word he thinks should be appearing here, but the word appear doesn't appear. And so now we've got a big problem, and that is is that his the whole point that he's trying to make doesn't hold up under scrutiny. Let me back this up just a smidge and listen again to his big claim, you know, regarding the uh, the resurrection appearance from there, uh, the Gospel of John, chapter twenty, with whom we can readily identify. That evening, under the cover of darkness, Jesus appeared. To his disciples. Yeah, John chapter 20 says he stood. The verb used for appear is quite specific. Yeah, it's so specific it doesn't show up in John chapter 20. It means an apparition, an inner vision. It is something that is experienced and seen. What is the word in which verse does it appear in? In the consciousness, with the inner eye, in the mind, in the heart. The appearance of Jesus that night in that room in Jerusalem could not have been recorded on an iPhone. There was nothing physical to see. And the verb chosen by the writer tells us that. The, the verb chosen by the writer that doesn't appear in this text... Um, makes it clear that Jesus didn't appear physically. And yet Jesus said, after he came and stood, it doesn't say he appeared, he stood, that um, he said, touch me, put your hand in my side, do not be disbelieving and believe. Luke's account makes it clear that Jesus you know, told the disciples you know, who freaked out because they thought they'd seen a ghost. In fact, let's take a look at the, the Lucan account. Because the Lucan account, uh, Jesus goes through great pains to uh, make it clear that uh, he's not a ghost. And uh, so Luke chapter 24, and um, it's after the road to Emmaus account, starting at verse 36, as they were talking about these things, Jesus himself, and there it is again, stood among them. It doesn't say appeared, it says stood among them. And he said to them, peace to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit. Uh, They were all frightened, by the way. And he said to them, Why are you troubled, and why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they they still disbelieved for joy and uh, were marveling, he said to them, have you anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it before them. Yeah, so uh, Scott McKenna making a lot to do about a word that doesn't actually appear. And the word is appear. So isn't that weird? So we've got a missing appearance of the word appear. So maybe he saw it in his mind's eye. Maybe he wasn't able to record the appearance of the word appear on his iPhone because the the only place this really showed up was inside of his heart and mind and head, you know, something like that. Hmm. 
Moving along. Down at an English fair, one evening I was there. When I heard a showman shouting underneath the flare. I've got a lovely bunch of coconuts. There they are, standing in a row. Big one, small one, some as big as your head. Give them a twist, a flick of the wrist, that's what the chairman said. I've got a lovely bunch of coconuts. Every ball you throw will make me rich. There stands me wife, the idol of me life, singing roll a ball, a ball, a penny a pitch. Singing roll a ball, a ball, a penny a pitch. Singing roll a ball, a ball, a penny a pitch. Roll a ball, a ball, roll a ball, a ball, singing roll a ball, a ball, a penny a pitch. Yeah, that's right. I've got a lovely bunch of coconuts, and uh, so we're heading over to Patricia King. Uh, and her Everlasting Love program, but uh, Robert Hodgkin is uh, guest hosting today, and uh, he's going to be talking with a, uh, a special guest as they're going to discuss the great release of wealth that is coming. This is uh, Robert Hodgkin and Robert Henderson descri- discussing the great releasing of wealth that is literally just days away if we can figure out how to tap into it. Yeah, I wish I was making this up, but uh, let's listen in. I have really good news for you. When Jesus Christ came, he came to give you an abundance of life in every area. Right. He wants you to be wealthy, man. Including an abundance of wealth. And today, you're going to discover that there is an abundance of wealth stored up for you in the spirit realm and how you can see it unlocked. I'm Robert Hodgkin sitting in for Patricia King on this episode of Everlasting Love. Right. If there was an abundance of wealth locked up for me in the spirit realm that I can somehow tap into, don't you think I'd just be able to go to a biblical text that says, here's where this abundance is stored, here's how you tap into it. Yeah, I'm not familiar with any place in Scripture that talks this way. And I want you to get ready for a massive transference of wealth wealth from the spirit into your life. Joining me today is author and speaker and amazing man, Robert Henderson. Thank you so much for being with us. It's so great to be here. Thank you so much. You have been blowing my mind for the last two days with the revelations you've been sharing and the the different ways you have discovered from God leading you into the power of the courts of heaven to see releases and things unlocked. And today, we want to talk about unlocking wealth, the wealth that's stored up for believers. And what I want to ask you first, Robert, is why is this unlocking of wealth important? Um, and, and let's address right at the top this idea that has gotten into some parts of the church that we shouldn't talk about wealth, we shouldn't focus on wealth. Why is this unlocking of wealth important? Okay, now let me explain the technique that's being used here. What they're doing is creating a straw man and a false dichotomy, as if somehow the discussion among Christians is either poverty or wealth, and poverty mindset that uh, eschews all wealth, or true wealth, or something like that. This is not any bit way to discuss what Scripture teaches regarding wealth. Uh, let me give you a few passages that discuss wealth, by the way. And here, uh, for instance, New Testament, First uh, Timothy chapter 6, I'll start at verse 6. Here's what, uh, here's what the Apostle Paul writes. Godliness with contentment 
is great gain. Godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world. We cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing with these, we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kind of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. But as for you, O man of God, flee these things. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, and gentleness. So you're going to note that as Christians, we are to strive for contentment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's kind of the idea. Um, in Proverbs chapter 30, uh, starting at verse um, 7, here's what it says. These two things I ask of you, deny them not bef- uh, to me before I die. Remove far from me falsehood and lying. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me, lest I be full and deny you, and say, Who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of God. And then James chapter 5, interesting passage. Come now, you rich, weep and howl for the miseries that are coming upon you. Your riches have rotted, your garments are moth-eaten, your gold and silver have corroded, and their corrosion will be evidence against you and will eat your flesh like fire. You have laid up treasure in the last days. Behold, the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud, are crying out against you. And the cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord of hosts. You have lived on the earth in luxury and in self-indulgence, and you have fattened your hearts in the day of slaughter. You have commended the murderer, uh, the murder, and murdered the righteous person. He does not resist you. Hmm. Yeah, over and again, Scripture warns against those who set their mind on wealth. And so uh, what Robert Hodgkins and uh, Robert Henderson are doing here is creating a false dichotomy. You know, so to the unsuspecting viewer of this program, they will sit there and go, <laughs> well, clearly, I mean, God wants me to be rich. These guys are saying so. And all those other people who are, are Christians who don't understand this, they just won't be able to get in on the great wealth transfer. Mm-hmm. But the wealth transfer they're really talking about is the wealth transfer that's the, the wealth that's in your wallet that's going to make it into their wallets. See, the big transfer of wealth will take place. You will transfer your wealth to theirs by buying into this false teaching. Because we're not going to get the job done that Jesus left us to do without wealth. Um, you know, lots of times we... Th- really, which text says that? I'd like to see that passage, please. Well, wealth is, is always been pictured as being evil or unrighteous or less than spiritual. Let's just say that. Yes. But nothing could be further from the truth because, because Jesus... Right. Wealth is really spiritual, man. Said, or the Word of God actually said in Deuteronomy 8.18 that he gives us power to get wealth. That- uh, no, Deuteronomy 8.18 is part of the Mosaic Covenant. And one of the stipulations was if you keep the covenant, then God will give you the means for prospering you. Yeah, keep that in mind. It's not a blanket promise to Christians in the New Covenant might establish his covenant in the earth which he swore to the fathers. And so in other words, he says, we're going to need wealth to be able to get the purposes of God accomplished in the earth. A very, very No, that's not what Deuteronomy 8.18 is saying at all. 
wise man said this. He said, if we're going to see the purpose of God done, if we're going to see reformation come, he said, finances will be the engine of reformation. In other words, it is what is going to drive reformation, drive culture toward a kingdom expression, if you will. In other words, we're never... No biblical text is saying any of the things he's saying at all. To see an expression of the kingdom come into society, which we all passionately want, if we don't have the wealth to see it produced from. So wealth is actually one of our keys to not only see reformation, but to see the kingdom released into the earth. Absolutely. So we must have... Unbelievable. Yeah, notice these guys are just spewing this right out of their blackened hearts, not out of any true biblical text. Not because we love money or, or need that, but because God wants us to do his work in the earth and he's given us the power to make wealth so that we can be successful. Absolutely. You know, the Bible says when he says he gives us power that we might uh, to, to get wealth. Uh, that word get seemed like a small little word, right. but it actually is the idea of giving birth to something. And so what are you talking about? That is not at all what Deuteronomy 8.18 says, and you know it. Wow, this guy is a liar. In other words, if you're going to give birth to something, the first thing you have to do is conceive it yes. on the inside. I mean, my wife has given birth to six children. Well, they was conceived on the inside before it was made manifest in the natural. And so wealth is not something that comes from the, in, from the outside in. Wealth is something that comes from the inside out. That's key because so often people are waiting for an infusion of wealth into the... Yeah, by the way, I was doing a little fact-checking there. Uh, the, the word forget in the Hebrew, um, you shall, Deuteronomy 18, you shall remember Yahweh your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get... Uh, Asah is the uh, Hebrew verb, and Asah literally means to make or to do. It has nothing to do with conception. Yeah, what he just said is a complete lie. You know, what's fascinating is that uh, we've been, I've been identifying a lot of people lately who've been just adding stuff to the text that isn't there and saying things that are just patently false. Uh, this would be just the, the latest example of it. Important to note, though, uh, Jesus talks about what comes out of our hearts, by the way. Um, in uh, the Gospel of Mark, chapter 7, verse 14, Jesus said, Hear me, all of you, and understand there's nothing outside of a person that by going into him can defile him. But the things that come out of a person are what defile him. And when he had entered the house and left the people, the disciples asked him about the parable. And he said to them, Then are you also without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from the outside cannot defile him, since it enters not into his heart, but his stomach, and then is expelled? Thus he declared all foods clean. And he said, What comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, Theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All of these evil things come from within, and they are the thing that defiles a person. It's almost as if Jesus is describing people who are pregnant with sin, like uh, Robert Hodgkins and Robert Henderson. From the outside, but you're saying the kingdom revelation is... Jesus has come, he's given us abundance of everything, including wealth, and it comes from the inside out. So explain to the viewers what that looks like for them. Well, when I, when I think about that, the first thing I think about is that most of us, 
in the church, because the spirit of religion, we have been set by what I would call a spirit of poverty. Okay. Right, yeah, that spirit of religion has created the spirit of poverty. Again, no, false dichotomy. It's He didn't even look at what Scripture says regarding wealth and its dangers at all. Which which makes us think a certain way. And so often one of the reasons we're not wealthy is because and we haven't produced wealth is because of the way we have thought the way that the way that our generations before us thought. And we were trained to think in a certain way, right. For instance, in my own life. I come from what would be called probably a middle, maybe even a lower middle class family when I was growing up. A great family, a godly family. But one of the things I was taught, one of the things I was, it was just driven into me was if it hadn't have been for credit, we would have never had anything. Mm. So we were taught that debt and credit was a good thing. Well, as I began to understand the word of God, I began to see, wait, that's a poverty mentality. That says, that says I can only have something if somebody else pays me for it, and then I pay them uh, you know, great amounts of money back compared to what they gave me in the first so place. So the only way you can have it is to actually overpay and overpay and overpay. That's right. It. That's right. And so, Right, yeah, that's all symptomatic of the poverty mentality. Oh, no. It's just one little piece of a poverty mindset right. that worked. And so I realized I grew up with that. So I've had to learn how to shift out of that mindset and many other ideas as well to, before I could give birth to wealth from the inside out. Before I Right. He, he, he got pregnant with wealth and gave birth to it. I'm sure labor was tough. And have a belief system that would allow me to give birth to wealth. Because, you know, I think you brought it up earlier that John said that we would we would prosper and be in health as our soul prospers. That's right. We were talking about. Yeah, that's a total twisting of the opening verses of Third John. If you have a Bible, head over to Third John. It's a tiny little uh, letter uh, and uh, yeah, one chapter long. And you're going to know what they're doing. They're twisting uh, verse 2 of it. And here's what it says. Third uh, John, verse 1, to uh, the elder, the beloved Gaius, whom I love in, the, in truth. Beloved, I pray that, uh, that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. For I rejoice greatly when the brothers came and testified to your truth, as indeed you are walking in the truth. I have no great uh, greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. That's not some promise that God wants to give us wealth or make us prosper. That's merely a kind greeting, uh, the kind greeting portion of a friendly letter to a friend. Oh my goodness, these guys are deceitful. It's It's so bad. Yes. In the green room before the filming. Yes, that, that our, the, the condition of our soul, which is our mind, our will, our emotions, the way we think, it has everything to do with whether I'm able to give birth to the dreams, the desires, the strategies, the wisdom that I need to see wealth physically made manifest and produced in the earth. Because we need utter nonsense. Again, the, I would point out the fact that how many utter rank licentious debaucherous pagans have oodles of wealth lying around you know it's just unbelievable i mean how on earth do all the uh, pagans and the great crazy political whack jobs in hollywood have such great wealth you know i wouldn't consider kim kardashian to be the epitome of christian virtue you know what i'm saying or tiger woods or anybody a kanye west or anybody like that yet they have all kinds of wealth How'd they give birth to it? 
Yeah, this is just unbelievable. And like I said, what's really going on here is is that the great wealth transference is happening, but it's your wealth that's being transferred over to Patricia King's coffers, and I'm sure Robert Hodgkins and Robert Henderson will get a cut of it. How do I know? Well, let's just say that uh, the end of the video here, this particular episode, has uh, a plug for some products. And uh, listen in to the commercial um, portion of this episode. You're not meant to live in lack. The Replenishment Anointing and Decrees for Your Financial Breakthrough, books by Patricia King. Impar- the Replenishment Anointing. Do you have the Replenishment Anointing? God-given revelation, practical applications, and decrees for activation. And the replen- Decrees for activation of the Replenishment Anointing? Oh, that's why I never got it to work. I forgot to activate it. Anointing, Patricia uncovers a powerful mystery to set you on a path of miracle replenishment in everything that pertains to you. In the decrees for your financial breakthrough, she reveals God's plan to prosper his people in the midst of any economic climate. Open your eyes to God's prosperity plan for you and give you powerful decrees to open heaven's window of blessings over your life. Yeah, just buy uh, Patricia King's books and you'll be able to give birth to wealth and stuff. You know, these people are giving birth to greed and sin, and they're going to have to explain all of this to Jesus. They have no fear of God. That is for sure. All right, we're up on our second break. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is talkback at fightingforthefaith.com, or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Pyre Christian. Follow me on Twitter. My name there at Pyre Christian. When we come back, going to try to slog through a portion of a Miranda Nelson sermon. Pray for me. If you're a weather warrior, it's time to lay down your weapons. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. Great Christian Radio Theater presents Death of a Salesman. Are ye a salesman? Why, yes, I am. Can I interest you in some... You're listening to Byron Christian Radio. Hi, Chris Rosebro here to talk about our longtime featured advertiser, Cheapo Air. Doesn't matter if you're traveling for business reasons or for pleasure. Doesn't matter if you're traveling within the United States or abroad. Cheapo Air is the place for you to save literally hundreds of dollars on your airfare, hotel rooms, and rental cars. Visit our website, fightingforthefaith.com. On the side of our website, you'll see our ad banners. Look at the ad banner for Cheapo Air and look on it. There's a promo code. Write the promo code down, click on the ad banner, and then book your travel at the Cheapo Air website, and you'll have the opportunity to enter that promo code for additional savings. Again, fightingforthefaith.com. Write down the promo code, click on the ad banner, and save money on your airfare, hotel rooms, and rental cars today. Hey, you. Yeah, you. Listening to this program right now. Have you ever found yourself wishing there was more Fighting for the Faith content that you could listen to and share with your friends? Well, you're in luck. 
because we now at Pirate Christian Media have a YouTube channel that we upload content to on a weekly basis. We got programs like Twist Busters, You Don't Have to Be a Cessationist, Messed Up Church, Exclusive Skype Interviews, Pirate Gang Conversations, and our most popular segment, Dumpster Fire. So if you're looking for some extra Pirate Christian Media goodness in your life, head on over to YouTube and search for Fighting for the Faith and subscribe. The good, the bad, the ugly. We review it all here at Fighting for the Faith. We're an equal opportunity sermon reviewing service. Today's sermon comes to us via the fire and glory outpouring out there in San Diego, California. Miranda Nelson presiding. I don't know what to call this thing. Train wreck in B minor. I don't know. B flat. Who knows? It's just horrifying is the best way I can describe it. So let me go ahead and back off on the music. And without any further ado, here is Miranda Nelson. And um, this sermon, I'll try to cut it out for a bit. Here we go. (laughs) All right. I'm going to preach, so you guys can be drunk all you want, but I'm going to preach. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) Lord, I just thank you. Oh, Jesus, I thank you, I thank you, I thank you for your goodness and your grace and your mercy and your love, God, and your fire and your courage. God, and I thank you, Lord, for what you want to do in this place tonight. Father, I thank you, Lord, God, for releasing impartation, Father. I thank you, Lord, for releasing the fire of God. Lord, for for releasing faith in this place, for releasing boldness in this place, God. Those watching online tonight, Father, Lord, I thank you that you would awaken hearts, God, and stir hunger and stir faith and stir fire and release impartation lord inspiration motivation god we just we just say have your way lord in jesus name amen Woo! jesus listen i i was seeing the honey of heaven at the end of worship i saw actually uh in the maybe in the announcements i don't remember but i saw the honey and the lord immediately told me it's the honey that jonathan partook of 
And I'm telling you, I heard earlier in the worship, I heard the Lord say, it's time for my people to take the spoils of the land. It's time for my people to grab hold of the fruit, to go in and take the fruit of the lands. And I'm telling you that it is. T- take the fruit, man. Take the fruit of the lands. Yeah. Okay. I'm and God wants to release inspiration and motivation upon you to begin to see where there's fruit, to begin to see where there's harvest and to begin to see and to have faith and to have courage and to have boldness to go in and to grab hold of the fruit of the lands. Does it make it true because you're yelling? It's not good enough for just a few. It's not good enough for just evangelists. It's not good enough for just revival meetings. It's not good enough for just a couple of people to go out and to preach the gospel, to give the good news of Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, it's time for the body of Christ to arise. And this is what revival is about. Revival is about a church needs to arise, man. You got, we need a Jesus movement. Yeah. Referencing. Mm-hmm. Michael Brown's sermon earlier in the week. Kidding you so that there's overflow. What Craig was singing about and prophesying about revival in the homes and manifestation and glory and visitation and encounters in the homes. That is so that there can be an overflow. That is so that you can be filled up. You can be encouraged. You can be filled with faith so that there be an overflow that where you go, the river flows that where you go, you begin to see the need. You begin to see the harvest and you grab hold of the fruit of the land. I'm telling you, God's uh, what, what text are you? Oh yeah, you're not. You're, you're preaching from a direct revelation. Got it. Coached me earlier today. I was on a run. Thank the Lord. I don't have a gym at my place right now. So it's all outdoor working out. <laughs> and I was on a run. <laughs> <laughs> and the Lord said, I want to release my boldness and I want to release my faith to the church. And I want to release it tonight. I want to release it in the outpouring tonight. And I'm telling you that even as we're worshiping and as I saw the honey the Lord spoke to me and he said, it's time for my people to grab hold of the honey. It's time for my people. So we're, we're, we're becoming poo bear. We got to grab hold of honey. To grab hold of the spoils. It's time for my people to grab hold of the harvest. It's time for my people to grab hold of the fruit of the lands. Listen, it's, it can't just be a couple of people. We can't just be super soakers and hold the water in. It's t- yeah, you can't be a super soaker if you don't s- s- do the super soaking thing. Right. Just squirt. <laughs> those super soakers. <laughs> I haven't seen those since I was little. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, we had some when we first moved to San Diego, remember? We had a birthday party and we we had the super soakers out. Anyway, <laughs> it's not just good enough to be filled up with water in the super soakers. I'm telling you, it's time to hit the targets. Right. You know, unload those super soakers and aim well 
time for you to begin to go in. Listen, in 1 Samuel chapter 14, Saul calls a fast, right? In the midst of war, uh, in the midst of battle, Saul just randomly in the midst of pride begins to, because that's what he operated in. <laughs> he didn't listen to the counsel of the Lord. He didn't, he, his heart was hardened towards the Lord. He was disobedient over and over and over so that his heart grew cold and he didn't hear the word of the Lord, right? And so he just randomly decides, oh, it's time to call a fast. And they're in the middle of harvest. They're in the middle of, we're going to take the spoils of the land. We're in the middle of battle. And in order to get victory, I'm telling you, you've got to grab hold of the nourishment of heaven. That's what it is to get filled up in the glory. That's what it is to live as a worshiping warrior. That's what it is to be in revival. I have no idea what she's talking about. I do know it has nothing to do with First Samuel night after night so that you get filled up so that as you go out you're nourished you're strong so that you can grab the spoils of the lands right you know so make sure you grab that honey so you can grab the spoils because Saul in his foolishness didn't allow the the, the men in the army to do that so that's what God wants you to do right now man and so Jonathan doesn't know that his father calls this fast and he gets into the forest and as he gets in the forest, he sees this flow of honey in first Samuel chapter four. Yeah, this is what we call making a rash oath. Yeah, which scripture forbids. In verse 25, all the people of the land taste, uh, all the people of the land entered the forest and there was honey on the ground. And when the people entered the forest, behold, there was a flow of honey, but no man put his hand to his mouth for the people feared the oath. But Jonathan had not heard when his father put the people under oath. Therefore, he put out the end of the staff and that was in his hand and dipped it in the honeycomb and put his hand to his mouth and his eyes were brightened. He was strengthened. He was- Do you want your eyes brightened? That's what First Samuel 14 saying, right? His, he was enlightened. He could see suddenly clearly. Then one of the people said, your father strictly put the people under oath saying, curse be the man who eats the food today, eats food today. And the people were weary. See, because they didn't, because they listened to a false word. Come on, they listen to false doctrine. They listen to deception. They listen to the lies. Come on, it's time for our ears and our eyes to be awakened to truth. To not says the woman who is literally butchering First Samuel. Unbelievable. Oh, I'm gonna die from irony. Listen to every voice that's out there. Come on, somebody. I'm telling you, we got to shut down the voice of deception. We got to shut down the voice of lies, of false doctrine. Come on. Yeah, if we did that, we'd have to take the microphone away from you. God's word forbids you from doing what you're doing. And also, you're twisting God's word along the way. Bible says that it'll happen, right? It's time for us to get so close to the spirit of the Lord that we have that, that spirit of discernment, that Hebrews 4.12, the sword of the Lord that discerns. Come yeah, we need that, man. And so we need to understand and know when there's a false word out there. <laughs> yeah, there's one right there. It, it, it's looking you right in the face. And Jonathan didn't hear, but because the people just listened to all the words that came at them, and instead of having their own relationship with God, they just listened to what was fed of them. And so it says that they were weary because they did not eat. They did 
not eat of the honey. And then Jonathan said, my father has troubled the land. See now how my eyes have brightened because I tasted a little of this honey. How much more? If only the people had eaten freely today of the spoil of their enemies, which they found. For now the slaughter among the Philistines has not been great. See, they lost their victory. They lost their harvest. Why? Because they didn't partake the honey that God poured out. Yeah, they didn't. They didn't take their honey. So you got to make sure to grab your honey. Oh, this is so awful. Provision that God released. The honey, taste and see that the Lord is good. Come on, it's time for us to grab a hold of the honey of the promised land. It's time for us. Are you grabbing the honey of your promised land? It's time. God says so. So get to it. To grab hold. It's time for us to eat of what God releases, the manna that he pours out, the provision that he releases, his presence. Amen. And as we do that, our eyes are strengthened and we begin to see where there's need, but also it begins to bring laser sharp vision. See, Jonathan's eyes were brightened. They were enlightened. He was strengthened. They're listening, the the rest of the people listening to false words, (laughs) deception of Saul, caused them to walk into disobedience. To walk into further disobedience, to lose victory, to lose the spoils. See, we need to get so close to the Father, this is what revival is about, so close to his heart, that we can discern like that between truth and deception. Right. You clearly are not that close to the Father's heart. You're like way far away. And it's uh, insanely obvious. So that we can discern what God is saying. So that we can discern the times and the seasons. Come on. So we can discern when it's time to go in and grab the spoil. So we can discern when it's time there's victory in the land. Listen, I was, I was just in a nation. Most of you know where I was. And in this nation, I was in a specific city and I was brought into, into VIP meetings and private meetings with, with VIPs and people of high influence government and, and, you know, VPs of different. Any government official who would listen to you has lost his mind organizations and i'm in this private meeting in this nation where it's uh it's really against the against the law to preach the gospel it's really against the law to witness but come on god god is good and the holy spirit kind of moves in like a you know sly guy i don't know <laughs> holy spirit moved in like a sly guy wow yeah who sneaky holy spirit <laughs> I want to be careful with my terminology because you never know what can go out there, right? So, so we'll play it safe. <laughs> and, uh, and I'm in this private meeting. There's six of us, myself included, and really, you know, VIPs in the meeting. And, um, and I'm, you know, giving a prophetic word to the girl beside me. And she's like, yeah, that's right. But she's a little bit, you know, like, I don't, I don't know what's going on, you know. And, uh, but then across the table, uh, this lady starts saying uh, how, you know, she, she's more than just, uh, she's more than just, you know, doing yoga as a practice. She's a yogi and there's a difference. And she does the meditation and she experiences the inner peace and all this stuff. And uh, she's a VP. 
of a major corporation. And suddenly the Holy Spirit prompts me, see, this is why we need to understand. We need to eat the honey of the land so our eyes will be enlightened to, to discern the times and seasons and discern what Holy Spirit is doing. And uh, he sent you in as the spy to scout out the land and to grab hold of the spoils of the land in the right time. Listen, God wants to release not only the power of God, not only boldness and courage to you and faith to you, but he wants to release the wisdom of God so that you would know the times and seasons because it's not for every moment. It's not for every opportunity for you to just flippantly share the gospel. And listen, I'm all about sharing the gospel, so don't get me wrong. I'm telling you, there's something about wisdom, power and wisdom that God wants to release on the church. Because if you're going to receive the harvest, if you're going to grab a hold of the fruit of the land, you need to discern because you can very well push the harvest away. You can very well put yourself in bad situations if you're not operating under operating under the you know you just have to wonder i mean how many hours did she spend reading biblical commentaries really working through the text to make sure she understood the proper sense of it or anything like that probably yeah didn't even waste a second doing any of that stuff wisdom of the holy spirit and listen his wisdom is way beyond ours it's you know his wisdom sometimes looks completely different than what we would do. But I'm telling you, God wants to release the wisdom and the power of God. If- he wants to release it. You know, but you know, there's things getting in the way apparently. He but he truly desires to do that, but their Holy Spirit's really weak, so he has trouble releasing the things that he desires to release to grab hold of the harvest. And so in this encounter, in this lunch meeting, uh, the Holy Spirit prompts me and says, I want you to talk about your realm of meditation. She's talking about meditation. And I'm like, you know what? I love to meditate too. And, you know, I said, in fact, my spirit guide allows me to access the, the realm of the spirit and the supreme power at all times, any moment of any day, not just during a practice like you experience in yoga, but I can experience it right here at this lunch. And I'm like, would you like to experience that? And she's like, yeah, yeah, sure. I'd love to. And she was just, you know, amazed and intrigued and, and everybody at the table. And was she brought to penitent faith in Christ for the forgiveness of her sins after this experience? Wow, this is, yes. And I'm like, well, just put your hands out like this. And, you know, we'll just, we'll just pray to my spirit guide to release that presence that of the supreme power right now. And, uh, so they all put their hands out and, and I tell this particular lady that the Holy Spirit honed in on, like I said, I prophesied over the girl beside me, but this was the lady that, that God was like, it's her. And so, and she was the most influential one in there. So it was a good thing. And, uh, and so she's like repeating after me, Oh, spirit of God, I ask that you would come and reveal to me the supreme power of the most high. And she's just repeating this prayer after me, right? I'm using language that she can understand, but I'm making it clear that it's, you know, it's him. Did you use destiny tarot cards for this? And I was unprepared for the realm of glory that would come in. But as she prays that, as we pray that, boom, this flood of presence.
presence of God, this flood of glory comes into that lunch meeting. So all of them, everyone at this round table are, whoa, I've never felt this good. Oh my goodness, what is going on? The lady specifically that I'm ministering to, she's like, that's amazing. I'm like, you've never experienced that realm of presence before, have you? That realm of inner peace before, have you? That realm of joy. She's like, no, this is amazing. I'm like, that's the supreme power. That's the, that's the most high. And she's like, I know. And, and she runs around the table, gives me the biggest gigantic hug and smiles and wouldn't let me go. She goes and sits back down and I start prophesying to her. And I'm like, this is what's going to happen. This is who you are. This is what you operate in, but this is what, what God wants to do in your life. And I'm like, she's still an impenitent pagan fact because the holy spirit then begins to prompt me as i'm prophesying and says i want you to take it all the way (laughs) sometimes it's to plant the seed and you need to let them know that it's jesus that knows these things about them right but sometimes it's just to plant the seed but this time jesus was like it's uh, holy spirit is like i want you to take this all the way i want you to release the gospel of jesus i want you to release the invitation for salvation And so it's about discerning the times and seasons. It's about discerning the hearts of people, where they're at. Because listen, if she wouldn't have been ready, I'm telling you, I could have pushed her far away. I could have put myself in a dangerous, and the rest of us in a dangerous situation in this particular country. And uh, where that's pretty much illegal to do. But she, she's this, this influential woman. And so as I'm prophesying, I'm like, you know what? I'm like, in fact, God wants to make this available to you. But the only way is there's only one way. There's only one truth. There's only one door. And I said to her, I said, you know, uh, uh, even, even Buddha had a visitation, saw a holy man of God that was about to come and said, you need to listen to him. Everything he says. And I said, that man is Jesus Christ. And I, and I said, he is the way, the truth and the life. And there's only one way to access the real realm of the supreme power. And that's through Jesus. And, and he wants to unlock the door in your life. And the reason why you access that power, that presence just a minute ago when we prayed was because the door in my life is open to him. And, and through the door open in my life, I let you. No discussion of sin, of breaking God's law, the wrath of God, coming judgment, and the need for repentance and trust in Christ for the forgiveness of sins. None of that was even discussed at all. He lets you experience that realm of presence, but he wants to open it to you. Do you want that? And she said, yes, I do. And I, I, and, and as we declared there, if you confess Jesus as Lord with your mouth and believe that God raised him from the dead, that you'll be born again, you'll be saved. She said, I want that. Came around her, put her, she put her hand on her heart. She repeated after me to be born again, saved, declared she's a daughter of God. She went on to again say, I've never felt this good. And she's the presence of God came flooding again was the most powerful, powerful encounter. And she- Sounds nothing like any of the conversions from paganism to Christianity in the book of Acts. Nothing like them at all. Correct. That's the goodness of God. Amen. Amen. But see, this is what God wants to do for you. I wasn't there to preach the gospel. No, I- no, no there to model. <laughs> I was there for, I was there, you know, under the radar <laughs> to be an influencer in the, in, to the influencers, to influence the influencers. But you see, God wants to mark you in such a way that you get so filled up in revival that you begin to reform culture. But I'm telling. No 
This is an NAR theme, you know, revival to reform culture. Nope. You've got to be able to discern the times and seasons. You've got to begin to have your eyes brightened with the honey that comes from the secret place. Right. You, you need your eyes brightened from the honey that comes from the secret place. Have you done that yet? Have you asked the honey from the secret place into your heart? Come on, you've got to taste and see that he's good. You've got to live a lifestyle of worship where you're lifting him up. You're exalting him. You're drinking him in. You're partaking of what he's pouring out. Because if we reject what he's pouring out, and much of the church rejects what he's pouring out. Some of you watching online, you're like the secret in the closet kind of Christians that... You know, you want the Holy Spirit, but you're scared of, oh, if anybody sees me, they're going to think I'm crazy. Man. <laughs> Jeremy says you're already crazy. <laughs> yeah, this sounds nothing like the Holy Spirit that we see in Scripture. Nothing like him at all. Just come out of the closet and just, you know, <laughs> just, just drink of his goodness. Come on, just partake of the goodness of the Holy Spirit and what God is pouring out. And so God wants to wants you to begin to partake of what he's pouring out. The honey in the forest, the honey in the secret place. He wants you to begin to taste of it. So your eyes. Yeah, you need to be tasting of the honey in the secret place. Why haven't you been doing that yet? Be brightened so you wouldn't miss the spoil of the land. So you wouldn't miss the victories that God has for you. That he has for your family. That he has for your destiny for your life. The promises that he has. The things he has for your family in harvest. In breakthrough. We've got to partake of it. But then it's important as your eyes are enlightened to not ignore what he's saying to do, to not ignore going and entering in and grabbing hold of the fruit of the land. See, Numbers 13, uh, Moses sends out the spies, right? He sends. <laughs> the story of the 12 spies that went into Canaan has nothing at all to do with some application I need to apply to my life, especially as I'm experiencing intimacy with the Holy Spirit. I That's literally about as much of her yelling I can handle. Man, oh man, that is just miserable. Where are the exegetes? Why are there so many people who call themselves Christians who believe this nonsense? It's utter drivel. It doesn't mean anything. These are false words. This woman is obsessed with herself. I don't know what spirit's talking to her, but I'm 100% certain that ain't the Holy Spirit. Different spirit altogether. Wow. So what'd you think? Love to get your feedback. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is talkbackatfightingforthefaith.com or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Christian. Follow me on Twitter. My name there at Christian. Till tomorrow, may God richly bless you in the grace and mercy won by Jesus Christ. His vicarious death on the cross for all of your sins. Amen.